0: Friends, as we all know, life in the modern world can be pretty tough sometimes. Whether it's that overwhelmed feeling caused by the 24-hour news cycle or that exhausted keeping up with the Joneses marathon that many people feel like they're running on a daily basis or simply trying to get by day in and day out. The good news is that there are now platforms designed to provide us with the support we need. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, is a wonderful resource that's purposely designed to be accessible and personalized to your exact specifications. With the click of a button, you can sign up and be matched with a professional of the highest standards, a specialist that can be an unbiased support system throughout your week and beyond. And BetterHelp goes out of its way to ensure that your needs are met. If the professional you're matched up with isn't working out, BetterHelp will work tirelessly to match you up with someone who will here at 20 sided gamified we fully and readily support our listeners goals of living healthy fulfilling lives filled with laughter fun gaming and stories to pass on from generation to generation we are proud to have a partnership with better help and we hope you'll look into this wonderful opportunity and resource at a time where we all may need a little boost signing up for BetterHelp help has never been easier Go to betterhelp.com/twenty-sidedgamified to learn more and sign up at a 10% discount for your first month. You can also gain access to BetterHelp through the link provided in our show notes. Thank you so much. All right, Twenty Sided Gamified Podcast fans, hello there. This is Jared, your faithful, uh, and I don't know with this episode maybe your diabolical host. You'll Devious. see what I mean. Yeah, you'll see <laughs> what I mean about that in a second. Kelly McManus, are you afraid? No, I'm feeling pretty tenacious. Are you sure? Tonight. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm ready.
1: <laughs> All right, because
0: look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a disclaimer here. Are you ready, Kelly? I've literally never done this before, but we're going to uh, do it right oh now. Oh, boy. Ready? Run away while right. you can. All right. 20-sided gamified podcast fans out there, you need, to, you need to understand something. Now, don't get me wrong. I love D&D. I, that was pr- pretty much like the first role-playing game that I ever played, and I love it but I really also love what we're about to talk about. And it ain't like D&D. It's dark, it's sinister, and I'm not going to lie. Like it, I don't know what's going to come up in this in this podcast. I don't know if we're going to share stories about some of the games we've run. I'm not sure, but it it really is adult-themed. If you're a little kid and you're listening to this podcast, if you feel like you can handle this, obviously... We're not going to talk about such terrifying, awful things that you're going to be traumatized or anything like that. And I actually mean that seriously because I don't know about, well, I shouldn't say that, but um, I think that even people that run World of Darkness games now, like there are certain topics that I won't go to, but it's a dark game. So, and I think I'll leave it at that. All right. So if you're going to listen, just make sure you know what you're getting into. And on that note, here we go. So, Kelly McManus, I know that you have never personally played the game that I'm about to describe, right? No, no. Based okay. off
1: what you've described, I'm interested in it.
0: Okay. So, first off, let's go down, let's take a trip down memory lane really quick and hopefully not bore our, uh, you know, two guests to tears. But, okay, in the in the 1980s, in the early 1990s, right, um, you've got a company called White Wolf Games. They put out an amazing series of games centered around something called the World of Darkness. Um, these are basically gothic horror games with other elements kind of, you know, mixed in. And it, the World of Darkness is near and dear to my heart. You know, I again, I knew about White Wolf in the mid-90s, but I really didn't start playing Vampire the Masquerade until my first LARP game in 2000. And I, more or less, since then, have been running more or less the same campaign with characters that are 20 years old. And my players can literally tell stories about things that happened 15 years ago with characters that are still around. It is an unbelievable game. And at PAX, when Kelly and I were there, we came across a company called Gehenna Gaming. And as soon as I saw the word Gehenna, I was like, I need to talk to these people. And... I think that they're going to do a far better job than me about describing their company. So, the bottom line is, I have Ian and Nick here from Gehenna Gaming, and they are very, very, very close to the world of darkness. So, Ian and Nick, what's up, guys? Hi. Hey, what's up? <laughs> how was how that monologue? Was it too much? No, no, that, that was great. That was, that was yeah. fine. You guys yeah. know what I'm talking about. There, there are shit that like have happened in my games that I don't, I don't even feel comfortable talking about here on this podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll dive into it. I'll, yeah, no, I've, do it, do it. I've
2: <laughs> run games where I've had people who are like, "Hey, I want to play uh, a vampire who was abused as a child, and that's like who they seek out to like feed on and kill." Like, yeah. you know, d- this is a game designed for people to explore darker themes and dive into what they need to kind of uh get out of themselves um in a therapeutic sense in many cases uh but yeah the world of darkness has been um one of my favorite TTRPGs uh as a whole primarily vampire the masquerade but werewolf demon hunter all the different splats that go along with it since the late 90s
0: yeah so It's funny, like I can remember being I I I mean, I was a quasi-adult. I must have been like 18 or 19 years old. And yeah, like I can so distinctly remember being on the phone with a friend talking about the game that we were gonna play that night. And when I got off the phone, my mother was like, Do I need to call somebody? Like, do I have to get a professional in here? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I was like, oh no, it's just a game, you know? Because again, like people who know me really well know me really well. Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty nice person. Like, I'm a school teacher for God's Mm -hmm. sakes, but you're right. There is there is something about the world of darkness. And by the way, for listeners, if you've never played a game of Vampire the Masquerade, we're going to try to roll out what that looks like. Um, but the bottom line is like you get to kind of air out some of those things about your personality that just don't necessarily come out in everyday life, you know. I, and again, I don't know if that's your experience, guys, but it certainly is mine, you know. <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my first game of uh World of Darkness wasn't even vampire, it was in Mage, but definitely like
3: all those themes are very Oh like, my god. Mage is that, a wild game. And that was my first game ever. Yeah. Like, so What was it ooh. like? Uh it was great. I was 14 at the time, so I ended up rolling up like a like teenage character, basically like a, a proc like myself insert because I just I just didn't know how to make characters yeah. back then. That wasn't like a yeah. thing. And I remember I was like, Oh, I want to make a necromancer. Um, it was also the like first character that like ever died. I will never forget. Like, was like my first character. He died. Um, yeah, in was, one game? No, not in one game. Oh, it, took, okay, like, three, gotcha. it took like three sessions. But but mage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah. just pretty uh can be pretty unforgiving, especially if yes. uh, you let paradox and the universe kind of get at you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, before we dive into all that, because I'm I'm very excited right now. Um, clearly. But why don't we do this? I mean, could you guys uh and and however you want to handle the, you know, talking about your company, but before we talk about the world of darkness, I mean, can you get give listeners a sense of what Gehenna Gaming is? Absolutely. Um so today, Gehenna Gaming is an
2: immersive horror events and publishing company. Uh we run immersive horror events for Everything from organized play at conventions where we run World of Darkness games or Call of Cthulhu and other systems to running uh, – we run a horror summer camp where people come to a summer camp that's like kind of half the summer camps you remember from being a kid and half like TTRPG convention. But it's also a LARP where it's Friday the 13th style. There's a killer hunting the campers in the woods type thing. That's awesome. Um, that's what we do today. Yeah, we started as a World of Darkness gaming group. Gotcha. So we, you know, world of, the World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade is at the core of kind of how we started. Um, it was me and three other guys who are no longer involved in the company actually, um, and we wanted to start a. Uh, it was right around when fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade came out. We wanted to start a World of Darkness epic. So player, because we, we lived all across New England at the time. Right. And like, I was running a game set in Providence, someone else was running a game set in Salem, Massachusetts, someone else was running a game set up in New Hampshire, another person was running a game set in Maine. And the idea was just, let's let our players jump between tables. So like, the, you know, because it would be very easy for a vampire to travel from Providence to Boston or, sure. you know, Salem type thing. So we were just like, hey, let's let's set up an epic. People can jump around and they'll just be ongoing campaigns That never actually really happened, which is the funny part of it. Like, we had some (laughs) of the games start, but we only had one crossover session, which was my game and the Salem game. Yep. And I I took them all on a massive demonology trip using the Bali from older editions of Vampire, which are uh, um, demon-worshipping slash uh, kind of becoming (laughs) vampires like they're vampires who are trying to become demons
0: yeah Um, infernalist bastards basically yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: where uh, they 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 discovered like an infernalist cult underneath in like the catacombs and the um, old pirate tunnels of Salem yeah and almost killed all of them all this other fun stuff and then um, that was 2019 and we were like hey we really love running games let's go run vampire games at PAX Unplugged Yeah. So we took all of our GMs and some of our players who also ran games, went down to PAX Unplugged, worked out a thing with them to get a room, table space, all this stuff, ran Vampire, and it went over amazingly people yeah. loved it uh we had more signups for vampire than they had for DD, i think that year i'm not surprised and we only had six gms running games so yeah. like uh-huh. it ended up being like hey we're all gonna run like one game a day or two games a day type thing and like it was no we ran like four games a day each. <laughs> yeah all Well, three we were days. just at
0: pax and like mm-hmm. i was like here this is how i felt so When Kelly and I walked into the room and saw like 20 vampire games running, Mm -hmm. you have no idea. All I wanted to do was, I don't know, maybe it was almost competitive in a sick way. Like I just wanted to sit down and run a game Mm -hmm. just off the top of my head. You know what I mean? Because I've been running games for so long. That's how I felt in that room. It, It was just so cool.
3: It's funny that you say that because we've actually had a few walk-up I could think of even like specifically last year mm-hmm. we yeah. had one walk-up GM that was like hey I would love to run a game and we talked about it and we got their vibe and we we're like okay let's run a game did they we'll do well you-. yeah they did great That's awesome we, we and then uh, I believe they actually run for us now too they're one of yeah. our um That's awesome. unplugged.
0: when did yeah. this start when did when was the first packs you went to 20 2019. 2019 okay gotcha so you went from wow that's really cool so just thinking about that so you guys are really blowing up i mean it would seem yeah so
2: what happened was we we it went amazingly we all ran like every single block of the entire convention didn't really spend any time enjoying the con which is fine because i've been to i've been to tons of conventions that'll be a repeating theme
0: (laughs) yeah no we felt that that as podcast hosts at the last con. so believe me i get that
2: Running running games from uh, 10 a.m. to midnight, staying up till 3 a.m., you know, hanging out with friends, meeting people in the industry, all this other stuff, getting up at 7 a.m., doing it all over again, um, and then at, you know, driving back to New England at, you know, 7 o'clock at night on Sunday. Yep. Always a mistake. And Now I take the day after a convention off. Um, yeah. But um, from there, we were like, that went really well. We should, like, this should be what we do. Like, let's, you know, the Epic is fun, We, but that's, like... We we do that anyway. Let's let's like, mm-hmm. run our games. Let's go. Let's run convention games. Um, we had no idea uh, that other groups already did this. We had no idea. We hadn't heard of any of them. We didn't work with any of these people. Like we were all rel- Like I had been a gamer for a really long time, a tabletop gamer, but like I didn't wasn't in the industry. None of us were. So we that that was our goal. We like reshaped. We set up a business. We did all this stuff, and we did PAX East in March of 2020. Oh god. Ran uh huh. Vampire and Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Because I'm a huge I love Call of Cthulhu as well. That's probably yeah. uh that's probably my favorite game um of the 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 mainstream horror titles. Yep. And then the pandemic hit. And we went, hey, there's no conventions. Um so we scrambled um in April of 2020 I spent about 3 weeks planning and executing a digital convention. Mm-hmm. We invited all of our the publishing contacts that we had made in the industry so far um to like be part of it. Hosted panels, had games running, people could sign up to play in games, all this stuff and we ran the first digital convention of the pandemic uh right. Virtual HorrorCon. Um it went really, really well. Other than
3: <laughs> wait, we, a- we we have to say we have to back up the the clock a little bit. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. go ahead. This is almost like a saga in itself. So we back yes. up back to Pax Unplugged two thousand nineteen, where uh, you know Ian's running games, you know mm-hmm. the rest of them are running games, and we go to side B of that story, which is I'm just an attendee at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've you know I've played Vampire, um, you know I I've enjoyed it. I you know I'm mainly more into the other world of darkness games yeah uh, i think before that the longest running game funny enough that i ran that i was playing in vampire was uh um, we ran uh time of judgment so like oh, okay actual, like wormwood sure and i was like oh that's that and that was like bonkers compared to everything else so i was able to get into the last sunday game vampire game um and that's where i met a the our gm was uh rick wheeler who was okay. one of the music hand at the time yeah. And uh, he. Invited I was actually me.
2: asking, like, who did whose game did you play? It was it was Rick's, and okay.
3: I remember seeing Ian, and and Ian was at the table, and like I didn't know Ian at time, but he was just like miserable and angry, just like
2: <laughs> just tired from the I weekend. Had, this, this was Sunday, so I had been getting three to four hours of sleep a night, if that, uh, and I'd been running games the entire weekend, it, and I was dead on my feet, just trying to like entertain these folks and yeah. run a great game for them i was definitely i definitely looked miserable even <laughs> he, if I he was a trooper though i, it I respect it. the theme though of world of darkness
0: though yeah there should be a
2: <laughs> little
3: misery there you know and, yeah. and i'm sure you both understand like the whole like conjure you know come oh, sunday God, you're just yeah. worn brutal. and torn you yes. just want to get out of there as soon as possible so i ran so i i sat in that game it was with six other people or five other people it was great i had a lot of fun um they invited me back to the discord and then i think like 2020 beginning of the year um i've been like hey do you need help with anything and i think, you, I were, think you were doing interviews just, back then
2: yeah it just started we did a we did a video podcast on twitch and youtube um where i would interview gms specifically oh, cool. about how they run their games Yeah, um, mostly in the world of darkness space but um and then we did a little bit of uh, like video game streaming as well
3: no very cool and at the time, you know, I'm my like my main job is I work as an A V engineer, um, mm-hmm. video editor, visual effects artist. So I have all that video foo, like post-production. I said, Hey, like I would love to help you out with anything. And then I think Ian like immediately contacted me was like, Hey, can you like help me edit a video? And I was like, sure. And that's kind of where our friendship started. Um, I think we like recently highlighted it. We had our friend anniversary. We we're joking around. Oh yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> friend anniversary. Yeah. I've never heard that term before.
3: It's it's just like I I always mark the uh, day because I started. I want to say what's what April. Technically official part of the Hannah team was it was April twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and so Ian approaches me about this convention, mm-hmm. um, doing this virtual horror con. He's like, hey, we're gonna have this team. You know, a couple of us are gonna stream, and then we got to the convention.
0: And Ian, I'll let you pick it back up there now that we have the pro. <laughs> By log. the way, this is—I I feel like I should have d tens in my hand because, <laughs> like, if nobody knew that you guys ran games, they do now. Like, I feel yeah. like I should be making a roll. Like, so let me uh, let me roll 10 and uh, you know, maybe ascertain exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> no, but go for it. <laughs> so
2: Friday, it was—we did three days. We did—we structured it like packs, so it was like all day Friday, all day Saturday, um, and then like all day Sunday, basically. But we ended—I think we ended early on Sunday. Friday went great. Saturday rolls around, I get up in the morning and I I pop on cuz I'm running a lot of the production side of things. Like I'm I'm speaking on some of the panels, but I'm not running games. I'm 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 a I do a lot of video production as well or I taught myself how to do it. Get up, start running the first panel of the day and my computer's crapping out. Oh no. And I'm like, "Hmm." okay, maybe it's my internet. Let me, like, because I, you know, com crap at the time. So it starts, you know, they start limiting your connection once you stream over a certain amount.
0: Right. How many dots in computer do you think you would have in real life? Uh, five. Oh, you do? I've, okay. I've, I've worked in Wait, IT. With a specialization? Uh, specialization in hardware, actually. Gotcha. But so yeah. theoretically, you should be able to fix this problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I was I was using, a, um, I won't say the brand, but I was using a gaming laptop at the time. Okay. Um now I have a nice desktop with three monitors. It's gorgeous. Right, right, right. But I had a gaming laptop with a second monitor. Uh, and it's start you know, it's slowing down, like the video's getting stuttery, uh, dropping a lot of frames as I'm going. And I'm like, it's probably my connection, it's fine. So I like push through, I'm like, hey, Nick, because Nick is doing you were you were producing more of the actual plays that we were doing. Yeah, we it. had we had split them
3: because it was well, I think we were taking Four turns on the panels because it was yeah.
2: me, you, and then there was
3: Tam. And yeah, you know, Tam. Shout out to Tam. Shout what out to a, Tam. What a god. This man will just sleep in his office the whole weekend and boot
2: camp <laughs> yep. it. Yeah, he would, he would just, like, curl up in a sleeping bag and, like, take naps while the actual plays were going and then, like, wake up to, like, start the next one. But yeah, a trooper. He's, yeah, he was a trooper.
0: It's like a ghoul. Uh, it's like a ghoul that will basically do whatever you want. Except I don't I know. know this person. So, that, so again, <laughs> to nerds out there, I probably was just unbelievably offensive. Ghouls tend to be the most fun characters in games, but I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> they are. They so, are.
2: So, computer starts crapping out. I'm checking my internet. My internet is kind of slow, and I'm like, "Okay, Comcast is limiting me." Get about. I, I reach out to Nick. I'm like, "Hey, like, let's shuffle the schedule around, like, ad hoc, because I'm having issues with my computer. If you can take the next one, I'll restart my computer, do some tests, whatever. Restart my computer is working better. I'm like, okay, it's probably just my internet connection. It's fine. Uh, we'll we'll just get through the day. Like, a little stuttery is not a big deal. People are still enjoying. We had thousands of people watching. Right. Get to not full evening, but later in the day on Saturday and smoke starts pouring out of my PC. Jesus. I was like, oh shit.
0: What the fuck? So this is like a Tremere, like technomancy thing (laughs) or something. Somebody is like doing horrible
2: things to you. My computer just completely overloaded. Luckily, I had a a backup and a not as good laptop. And I was like, all right, Nick, I need you to take over production for the rest of the thing. I can't run anything. My computer just died. My backup laptop cannot run any of this stuff. Just take over production. I will participate (laughs) in the stuff that I can do, all this other stuff. We had one panel that Nick couldn't run production on. And I was like, I will try to run it from my laptop. God, like, so yeah, so and it was our finale, with which is me and the other hosts, like thanking everyone for attending and all that stuff.
0: So, so Nick, like, kind of coming in and doing this, how much of a status upgrade within the group did you get? <laughs> um i i mean at that point i wasn't
3: even at the gr- i was just like an, a, a, you were a volunteer I was, like, I was a volunteer so you, helper So that's huge so that's yeah i get it that, i get that, it that was like the trial by fire i think it's i i just remember it's hilarious because we ran like a really late like midnight to four in the morning like vampire game and i was like right. okay i'll put it on and then someone can just take over like i'll go to
2: sleep mm-hmm. and someone- and, can, and can just like log into the twitch account to kick me off of it and it Twitch doesn't work that way. FYI, it's never worked that way. I don't know why we (laughs) thought it did. So, so we have
3: like five in the morning, six in the morning. The stream's still up. I'm sleeping in my other room. You know, the office is is still streaming it, and it's just like blank webcams. And I think I think it was Rick at the time when he gets cereal and he's like walking in front of the camera. It was it was chaotic. It was a lot of fun. It was we wild. did, but
2: yeah, but it it, so it, we went, went, it still went amazing. Yeah, it loved it. We had a great time. Uh, but that was that was how we really met and right. how you started working with us. Yeah. Um, so I built a new computer after that, which is what
0: I have now. And it's a really good high end. I mean, it space. seems like it. You seem <laughs> to be in, because I don't think we're going to do video for this. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you almost look like a Star Wars character. Like with the wild, like background and everything. <laughs> yeah. That's you a compliment, like a, by I, the way. I, I, I do. So
2: um, fast, I, I'll, I'll touch on that. Fast forward. Yeah, sure,
0: sure. Business um,
2: Business changes. Uh, you know, we, 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 we become a streaming company. We run, we run actual plays. We do like three a week. Uh, we, I, I'm continuing that interview series. We do another virtual horror con the next year. Nick becomes a more permanent member of the company, um, doing a lot of our video production, running actual plays, you know, et cetera. Uh, very heavy on the creative side. Got it. We, um, I moved from New England to Georgia, Okay, which is where I live now. I live in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Oh, cool. Um, okay.
2: And the birthplace of White Wolf and World of Darkness, actually. Um, We attend, I'm trying to remember, Um, I think we attended PAX Unplugged 2021. That was like the first convention that we came back to. Right. We ran a ton of games. Uh, we, We ran, I know we ran Call of Cthulhu and Vampire. I think we ran a bunch of other stuff too, like smaller tables of other things. Um, Nick was there helping us run stuff. And then that kind of kicked off the convention scene again. So we did PAX East. We did a couple other things. And then we decided, hey, let's like, let's really like, yes, conventions are coming back. We can do this thing, but we've been really enjoying streaming too. And the actual play scene had blown up over the pandemic. So we got really heavy into doing like, uh, we did a World of Darkness, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Dark Ages long forms game. Nick ran yep. a longer form game called Ghana Academy for a while. Um, did a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, business structure changed again. Some of the people who had started Ghenna Gaming left. Uh, so And that was kind of just down to me and Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and my partner, Ellie, who um, is our events director. Right. And I'm like, all right, we need to like kind of restructure, rethink about what we're doing, all this other stuff. We decided to launch more of our own events instead of just running things at other people's events or running other people's events. Cause we ran, we ran the first uh, Onyx Path on um, digitally for them. We did um, the first digital version of Save Against Fear and yeah. a couple other conventions in there. Restructured. Uh, I asked Nick to become our creative director. Uh, kind of, that was that big status elevate, like you were talking about. I asked oh, yeah. him to really take on more of a, you know, a permanent leadership role within the company. And, we were like, okay, let's do this. Let's like break out our branches. We we run events. We do what we run games at events, and we're a streaming company. Um, fast forward a little bit more. I'm living in Atlanta. I've bought a house. I build a production studio in my basements, and I have a full recording studio in another room down here.
0: Very cool. Um,
2: I have tons of really nice <laughs> equipment. No, I can for tell. Yeah, recording yeah, yeah, I can and tell. Streaming. The background. Uh, which, which is what you're talking about. Like I have nice LED backdrop and stuff. I've got you know, professional lighting. I have a professional camera, mic, right. all that stuff. Well, one um, could argue this of is of
0: your full time job, right?
2: Uh, no, actually. no, it is not. Uh, it's more it a not. hobby. Or
0: <laughs> we are we're, we are a
2: professional workaholics. Let me. Yeah, gotcha. profe- this is my this is my second full time job. I should say. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. But uh, you
2: love it that much. I do. I do. Um, yeah. So that's where we are. Kind of. That's where we started. I guess 2023. I think. Right. Nick? Cool. Yeah. And then um, we start recording a like full cinematic 4K uh, called Cthulhu Actual Play series right. in my home studio. And right around December, I think of 2022, Nick's like, "Hey, I have a game. Mm-hmm. Let's let's I have a game I want to pitch you." And I was like, "Okay." At the time, I too, I think, I was like, "Okay, an actual play." And he was like, "I want to run. Uh, actually, can we talk about this?" Yeah, I mean, you guys talk about what you
0: want. No, oh, yes, I so guessing, yeah, yeah, that's, oh, no, that's gotcha. fine.
3: <laughs> I think that this no that predates later because that was filmed in 2022. That was
2: filmed in 2022. So, right. so
3: this idea, this 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 production ahead, ahead. started in 20. So, 2021, I tell Ian, you know, i been like, hey, like we're looking to do, you know, the next new thing. We're still doing streams. But we're kind of on our way out to do other stuff. We were getting ready to plan Camp Gehenna, mm-hmm. um, which we would delay by a year. Yep. But we were, you know, we were really heavily considering it. Um, and so I go to Ian, I go, Hey, Ian, I've been running this game. Um, and I want to do an actual play based on uh Evangelion because mm-hmm. I love anime, I'm a nerd, I love mech, I love horror, I love psychological horror. Um, and he goes, Okay, what are you going to run in it now? It's like, I've been writing this game since like 2017, which which I have, and it started mm-hmm. as like this weird like, little hack thing, and then kind of blew up from there. I think 2021 is when Free League finally opened up their year zero engine OGL. Um, so that's when, like, I was like, Hey, like, this is what I've been thinking of doing. And Ian's like, Okay, let's, let's develop it. So we, that's when we started working on our first, um, actual like published TTRPG and kind of going through that. We it began as we like the prototype was made in this AP that we're doing based on the anime Evangelion. Gotcha, mm-hmm. and that was like a huge thing. And then come 2023, I'm like, here you go, Ian, and I I drop like a hundred pages, like 200 pages of like all the mechanics. I drop it down. I go, this is all written, and he looks through. and He says, "We can, we can make
2: this." Yeah. Oh,
3: that's no, that must have been felt great. No, it was it was amazing, and I mean, I, like. You know, working alongside, like I always tell, like Ian's not just like, you know, obviously it's like my coworker is like my, you know, professional friend, but also like one of my really good friends, if not one of my best friends. Um, And I, I don't think that's too much
0: of a stretch, Ian. And, you know. No, you're my best friend. It's fine. Thank you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, Man, I, you
0: guys I, are ruining what I said at the very beginning about this being dark. Like you guys. No. You guys are I will come back to that point. <laughs> remind me. It,
3: it's, you know, we're, and we're, you know, I'm a huge horror fan. I'm a huge film buff and, and like a, a film nerd. Cause like I've, I've done directing, I've done visual effects and worked on stuff. And like Ian's like dipped his toes at Jason, obviously other horror media, Ian's like crazy about, and I like worked on stuff with that. And, yeah. and I, I've also
2: directed, um, all my stuff's in theater.
3: Okay. Very cool. I so I I would say there's two people I talk to like every at least every day. I talk to my partner early, every day, and then I yeah. talk to Ian every day. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just how it goes.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like you're blood bound to one another. Exactly. I yeah. think so. I I yeah. think it's a it's it's a little less like because because I want to think of blood bounding. I, you kind of hate the person secretly. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's
3: like oh I want to quit you but I can't. No. Yeah. This is more of like. I don't know what's the good version of a, of a Valdiri? I don't know
0: if there is no a no of... a Valdiri from the sabat. I mean, yeah, yeah kind of. Even though, come on, the again we are nerding out probably too hard right now. But the Valdiri is just a blood bond. I don't, you know, the sabat just like to make it seem like it is this just very a, different a, thing, a, but it's a bunch of bullshit. It's exactly. cooler blood yes. bond. The blood bond.
3: The cooler blood bond. The cooler yeah, blood absolutely. bond. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because then you go out and murder stuff. Yeah, after you're done. You know, voldering. You know, <laughs> no, the, no, hold on. In all seriousness, though, like mm-hmm. I feel like you've given the most thorough answer that of anybody that's ever been on this podcast, like in terms okay. of really stipulating what it is that you guys do. So, I mean, it seems yeah. like you have your fingerprint um, within, I mean, both the sort of live, uh, you know, uh, play of, of mm-hmm. games, but also like the digital world as well. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so.
2: Oh yeah. Um, since since from from where we started to where we are now, we've definitely come up in both event space, the the digital streaming space, and then obviously now we're we're breaking into the publishing space because right um, art the game that Nick threw me a manuscript of and I've poured over all the mechanics and stuff is you know we've now hired writers and we've oh, got a Kickstarter started awesome. launching. So
0: you really so no, that you're really kind of getting off the ground. That's awesome. And by the yeah. way. The game, the game that you guys are describing, is that out yet? January second, oh, allow- Kickstarter.
3: Yeah, oh, really? Eldritch Automata. It's been announced. Yep. It was announced Friday of PAX. Mm-hmm. We, awesome. held- we held playtest of it. It was our third most popular game behind Vampire and Call yeah. of Cthulhu. Which no, that's super cool. No, I
2: can
3: I can yeah. see the smile on your face of how proud you are. That's awesome. <laughs> I, so- I had the banner up, but I had to take it to PAX, and now it's packed
0: up. Yeah. yeah like- no, gotcha. Well, no, it's great. Like because. Hopefully, we get a lot of ears on this episode. You know, it'll just kind of just get get even more word out about about the game. And I guess, you know, I'm not going to lie. We have just too much to talk about. So, should we leave that? Should we table that for the second? Or do you guys want to talk more about that game? It's really up to you. It's your episode.
2: Uh, I mean, you started this with talking about World of Darkness, this and is I, true. I would be happy to se- segue back into World of Darkness if we want to talk more about EA and well, a separate episode.
0: So, yeah, exactly. You know, I was just going to say, you know, that's the beauty of technology is we could always kind of circle back to that as long as you guys yeah. are willing to come on again. All right, so why don't we do this? Wait, first off, I got to ask, Kelly McManus, how are you feeling right now? So I, I want to ask because, yes, you know,
1: we, we have a very um wide base of listeners, I would say. Like, you know, we have tabletop role players, we have educators, we have board gamers, we have, you know, you name it, we probably have it. And you know, I, I think I fit more into the war game camp, and I've only heard of World of Darkness through Jared, um, but I know you guys have mentioned, like, a few like different rule sets or settings, like Mage, Vampire. If you wouldn't mind just, like, doing a quick explanation of all the difference, like, how it just connects and, sure. you know, kind of what the world is.
0: Yeah. Great question, Kelly.
2: So the World of Darkness is a gothic punk, darker version of our world. All the setting is the same. It's, it's Earth. It's Earth in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of these supernatural creatures exist. You have It started with vampire, Vampire the Masquerade. So vampires exist. You have werewolves. You have mages who are humans that, it gets complicated, but can do magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have hunters who are relatively normal people who become imbued with special powers to hunt supernatural creatures. Uh, you have wraiths, which are the dead. Um, who are coming back to haunt locations and stuff, and then you have demons. Um, and I don't think. I'm, and then there's mummy, but mummy is a little off. Mummy's on the side super there. weird. Yeah, yeah. I think that's everything in the original World of Darkness. Orpheus, Wraith, Orpheus, Orpheus, yeah. Orpheus was a kind of a, a precursor to Wraith, slash kind of conjoined with it um and then there was the new world of darkness which (sighs) is when they tried to reboot the entire thing um and they they basically released all the the, one of the issues that people had with the original world of darkness setting is like the power imbalance was really off so you had all these different um games but you couldn't play them across each other you couldn't have a werewolf in a vampire game the werewolf just slaughter everything
0: yes okay
2: They tried to balance that with New World of Darkness. They rebooted it. They tried to balance it. They gave them some new origins and things like that. They tried to fix a bunch of stuff. And some people thought it was fixed and some people didn't. And it didn't do very well. It kind of tanked the company and White Wolf as an entity died, um, the publisher. Uh, fast forward, uh, it was actually purchased by a video game company, CCP, um, who makes EVE Online. Um, they licensed it to Onyx Path Publishing, who start, who decided to reboot the reboot and made Chronicles of Darkness, which is just second edition. There's a new rule set. May, they made new lines like Beast um, and Prometheus and Geist. I'm just saying,
3: there's, and there's some of the lines, I think, that are really stand well on their own. Like There are. Geist, Geist is amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I love Deviant, which was their mm-hmm. newest one that they just
2: released like maybe two years back yep i think so um so that that did really well and then um ccp sold it again because they they had a really ambitious idea to make a world of darkness uh, mmo that never took off I mean like they got a bunch of work done on it and then it died so they sold it to paradox interactive and paradox interactive rebooted with fifth edition vampire um, that's where we're that's way, and then, and then we have Hunter and Werewolf as well in the fifth it, edition. It, so that's where we're kind we are of felt
3: today. like, uh, like secret, like that game Secret World. I always
2: felt like yeah. that was supposed to be the World of Darkness MMO. It's very much inspired by it for sure, but yeah, so that's why there's like there's different game lines within the World of Darkness, but they're all still in the same setting. Vampires can encounter werewolves, right? Um, and you know, and then there's power, there's varying power levels between them, so.
1: So yeah, I guess I, it's like focus. Like if you want to play a vampire, you play vampire with masquerade. If you want to play a werewolf, you do. So you yeah, kind of pick your, yeah. your poison, so to speak. Yeah. Exactly.
0: yeah and it's tough because I, the the guys are exactly right. You know, s- certain supernatural creatures have way more power than others. Mm-hmm. And even saying that is overly simplistic because you could run into a vampire who's uber powerful you know, and you might be a little neonate who has literally no chance of doing anything to them, you know? I don't want to offend anyone. I forgot about Changeling. <laughs> oh, no. Changeling well, also exists. You guys are so polite, by the way. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I can't, it's very hard for me to look at anything beyond the Green Book, you know? Um, That's fair. It's That's just, fair. to me, it's just classic, you know? Yeah, and but yeah, go ahead, dude. I was going to say, and like, Changeling,
3: and I think Changeling and. I would feel like Changeling Mage, and in some of the other ones, there's, there are definitely some games that like some people would be like, "All right, Chronicles has the better version of." Yeah, um, I definitely think that Changeling is one of those games that's universally agreed on that Changeling the Lost is better than Changeling the Dreaming, um, and like I think Mummy's done better. And, and what the, there's one more there. I'm trying. It's on the tip of my tongue in, that they made in Chronicles, or that's in Chronicles that was mm. made a lot better in Chronicles than Hunter. There's a lot of people who prefer Werewolf in Chronicles. Yeah. Mm. And people even now prefer Hunter the Vigil, like second edition versus the new Hunter the Reckoning. H5, yeah. Yeah, which mm. which is a whole other can of worms to open up. Hunter
0: can be really fun to play. Like, in fact, Kelly McManus, Hunter might actually be one of the most fun games for somebody who's never played before because... Supernatural, the RPG. Yeah, and, and no, and it is. And for us, here's the problem, right? We want to get into some nitty gritty stuff here it's very hard for me to play somebody else's vampire game because mm-hmm. as a storyteller, I've been doing it forever. It's like, oh, that that creature just did that. Oh, that's what it is. Whereas if you're a beginner and you play Hunter, God, it's so exciting. Like a ghoul is exciting. Like coming across a ghoul that works in an office that is a janner that preys upon, uh, you know, people that are on the night shift or something. That is so unbelievably exciting to new player, especially mm-hmm. if you're playing a hunter. Where Where, Kelly, your job is to kind of almost root out uh, some of these evils because you realize it's there. Because here's the thing about the world of darkness, right? The thing about the world of darkness is the guys are right. Like it's this sort of parody, this caricature of our world that's just much more dark. And for a lot of people, most people that exist, you kind of see that things go bump in the night. Yeah, kind of think it's there, but you're not really, really, really sure. And hunters, they become aware that this thing is real you right. know so so it's 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 almost better to play the game as like a new person than it is to play it as somebody who's got a lot of experience if that makes sense
1: you know and i guess I, ghouls are like really low
0: level then if if you're Well, it's, about you know being it kind of depends. I mean, if you're a really really <laughs> old ghoul, yeah. not necessarily. Like, right, I yeah. think if my memory serves me right, you could get three or four dots in a discipline as uh, a really old ghoul, right? Back in the day, in the old Green Book, I think you could get three or four. I think it makes possible in the old Green Book. Yeah, Yeah. it (laughs) is
2: true. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. Um, Especially if they they like freshly drink their uh, blood and stuff. But the 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 power structures across the the splats, as they're called, is wild because like mages are simultaneously the weakest and the most powerful. Yeah. Uh, based on how their their hours um, work. Whereas Wraiths are pretty much like always near the top because of what they could do to people mm-hmm. in the right circumstances. Oh, yeah. Um, wraiths werewolves... are so much fun. Wraiths are amazing. I actually have never played Wraith. I yeah. really would love to at some point in my life, but yeah. never got a chance to. Um, and then like werewolves and changelings are both incredible power, incredibly powerful changelings can just like completely reshape reality in some ways. Yeah. Um, and werewolves are just these completely monstrous killing machines that almost nothing can stop. And then there's vampires actually kind of near the bottom.
0: Yeah. Uh, They are not as powerful as people think. Yeah, for sure. They exist in the shadows and Kelly, we're going to, I'm going to ask these guys a question in a second, just to kind of really get into the what it's like to really like be a character as a vampire mm-hmm. in a game but um but yeah like i think often we think of you know vampires as these sort of like outgoing creatures that pull the strings of the president of the united states or something like that in the world of darkness and that's not exactly the case it's more like you're a vampire that knows like the dude who like cleans the toilets at the white house and you kind of through that person kind of Mm -hmm. manipulate things that are going on. Because ultimately what it comes down to is as a vampire in the world of darkness, um, you sort of pull the strings of society that's around you. So yes, you can be very direct about certain things and certain actions. But honestly, if you're a vampire, if you're a Camarilla vampire and you don't like another Camarilla vampire, um, very rarely are you fighting them in person. It's yep. more like you find out who they're in love with and you kidnap them or like you find out where their house is and you cut the electricity there to make them very unhappy with you. And it's just kind of tit for tat, you know, oh, in, okay. does that, you know what I mean? And again, guys, I don't know how but, you, you know, run set your game to light the
2: house on fire in the middle of the day, but that's this is true. Yes. Especially if you, <laughs> you know, want to get rid this, of them. Uh,
3: this conversation has convinced me, Kelly, you just need to come to the next PAX Unplugged or PAX East and come play in a and vampire, play vampire. Game. No, yeah. totally.
0: Yeah. So this your is what I, invitation. Yeah, this is what I <laughs> wanted to ask you guys. So for people that are listening out there, right, that want to get a vibe for what it's like to play, let's just talk vampire. Like you're going to make a vampire character and you exist in a in a in a chronicle. Guys, from your vantage points, what's it like building a character in vampire? What's it like playing a vampire? How does it? What does it feel like? Why don't we kind of frame it that way?
2: So uh, in comparison to something like Dungeons & Dragons, it, you start your character creation process very differently. Um, I always tell people when you're making a vampire, make a person. Make a normal, everyday person, and then decide what about that person would make a vampire embrace them and turn them into a vampire. Um, in vampire, you have 13 core clans Um that all have different preferences, different play styles, things like that. So you you kind of go make a person, figure out what clan would want to embrace them, or if you know what clan you want to play, make a person who would want to be embraced by that clan, determine why, and then turn them into a vampire. Yep. So that's when you're gonna go, okay, I've made a person, they have a backstory, they have a human life, they have stats. Um, the stat rolling, the stats, stat system in Vampire is much easier to do than in other games, um, but can get complicated once you're actually in gameplay because it's a lot of ver- there's a lot of variations in it. Yeah,
0: you good. Um, you need a good ST yeah. to help somebody
2: navigate that. I like to say, that. I like to say, all of the complicated parts of Call of Cthulhu happen during character creation, and all of the complicated parts in Vampire happen after character creation. Yep. Um. So you made your you made your person um you've embraced them you start giving them powers and then you have to determine how this character is going to deal with the fact that they are not human anymore and that is the core of what vampires yeah. about
0: and i think uh not to cut anybody off here but that's hard that's a hard part and and again on a emotional level or a psychological uh level kelly I I think what, especially from the perspective of an ST, these are dark characters. I mean, these are generally not nice people, meaning at the beginning of the game, you start with a humanity level. And usually, even if you're playing a Sabat game, unless you're somebody on what's called a path, you usually start with a decent level of humanity that's still left in you. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the more bad shit that you do, the more bad shit that you're involved in, you get more monstrous as the game goes on, and I don't know about you guys from running games, but there's been some real healthy discomfort sometimes in playing these games because you are yeah. taking parts of yourself. You're doing things in a game which are not human, and yeah. you kind of have yeah. to grapple with that, right? So Absolutely. there, I,
3: there's a conversation I have, you know, a lot with a lot of people, um, and that it's it's generally like. I love Vampire the Masquerade but players of Vampire the Masquerade are always the people I'm most wary of um, yeah. because I feel a lot of them miss I don't want to say they miss the point because art is up to interpretation but my always personal per- interpretation what I think the book tries to it's a push it's a game of like personal horror right It's a it's a game about you know you're becoming this monster that is no longer human and that exists to that can only survive by, infl- you know, hurting other people. Um, and as much as you want to, like, you know, kind of deny your your base nature, you you can't because you're a monster. And I always get into this kind of people when they're like, "Oh, well, there's good vamp. Well, like, I'm a good vampire, you know." And it's or I'm a good kindred. It's like, no, like you're you're a monster at the end of the day. You're a good person. That's you know, but there's no such thing as a is a good vampire. You are fighting your base nature every single day um and and unfortunately what i feel like happens with a lot of groups is that they tend to forget that yeah and they tend to just kind of focus in on the power fantasy like it's you know and and in itself you kind of expose what makes these characters monstrous right it's like someone that plays like adventure it's perfect example you know it's kind of why it's my most disliked uh uh, clan is that you know I go and I you know I dominate everyone and I mind control them make them do what I want but you know I'm still a good guy it's like no you're you're yeah, horrible for doing sure.
2: that so one of my favorite characters that I've ever made was for a older edition of Vampire Not Fifth um, named Nikolai and he was a Ventrue elder Um, he was probably s- between 400 and 600 years old zero humanity left like he 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 did not have a lot of humanity he was very emotionally dead he was a horrible he was a black market arms dealer like he was a russian warlord who became a mercenary who became a black market arms dealer in the modern day absolutely terrible person i actually didn't really play him i played his ghoul oh god that's cool so playing this very old ghoul he was also hundreds of years old who had to like keep this person relevant in the modern age like run his black market arms business and deal with like the implications of all of that um was much more fulfilling to me than playing like a uh venture who just doesn't care about people and just like will either dominate them into mindless thralls or just kill them outright um just riffing off of what you were saying Nick yeah because <laughs> ventru venture are a. Hard clan to play well in my opinion.
0: Theme Lassombra all the way. Yeah. Well Lesambra are kind of the dark version of Venture, but Kelly, you have something to say. Go for it. Yeah. Too.
1: So kind of like keeping um the theme in mind of how this game is meant to be played, how it's supposed to be dark and how like no one like no no character that's made is meant to be good. How and this is a question for all three of you. Um and then for Ian and Nick, how you do this in a Kind of public context working with strangers and, and role playing it. How do you then, um, like, what choices are you making as a storyteller in defining and creating this world in which your players have to make decisions and choices in that mm. are, you know, yes, mess- or is always going to be bad question. no matter what? That's
0: such <laughs> a good question.
1: That's a great if, question. I yeah. can
0: start. I mean, look, it's, it's hard. To me, it's narrative. It's not like DN. Well, Hold on. Let me back up for one second. Because I was about (laughs) to say, don't get me wrong. In the way I run a vampire game, there is an endpoint. I know that I'm going to run 10 games. And I know that there's something big that's going to happen in that 10th game. I just don't know how we're going to get there. So it's not like there's no goals in Vampire or anything like that. You know what I mean? Compared with D&D, where there are very, very defined, like we are going to adventure and we're going to save the day and we're going to do all this. And that's great. But in in Vampire, I find that while that goal is important, it's all about the personal narratives for each character. So I'll give you an example. And it's going to make me sound horrible. I'm admitting this to everybody, right? So look, one of my best friends in the world, amazing role player named Brian. um, He was playing this really, really annoying female character named Bunny malkavian and malkavians are a clan that are all messed up in their own way psychologically like literally when you create a character they're going to have an issue and this is what it's like running a game i just was annoyed by his character like within the first two minutes he made a very bad role for a dance that he was doing in front of everybody at elysium and i just decided that there was an npc who hated her And just for the next 10 games, I thought of, along with my co-ST, every vindictive way to not hurt her, but make her feel bad about herself. And the character, like, sorry, the person playing that character has to feel that and react to that. And most of the time, what ends up happening is they get vindictive back at you. So So, Kelly, does that make sense? It's, It's a very personal kind of game. And yes, like there are times where it's very hard to run because I'm a nice guy. But I'm literally just thinking about like, how can I shame this poor girl in front of everybody and make her feel bad about herself? You know, I don't know about you guys, but... No, I mean, that is accurate. The way I like to uh,
2: explain it and approach it, and this is particularly in a convention setting where I'm playing with people I don't know or... Um, Vampire is a game about making very difficult moral choices and then dealing with the consequences because it's not just a game about making decisions. It's about actually actions have consequences and you will often be put into positions, the way, especially the way I run it, where you have two bad choices, which can you figure out the consequences of those choices and which one are you more willing to live with? Yes, like beautifully said.
3: I kind of, kind of going back to it. So I actually want to pose a question for for Kelly because I, I notice, I see your your miniature painting uh, gear behind you. I could see in your camera. Oh, so no. <laughs> I have that. So you've played. I'm assuming you've played like Warhammer.
1: So funny enough, no, <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> never mind. This question's gonna
3: go out but, the window. But I, I,
1: I play, um, I play like the video games, or like the Warhammer okay. video games. Um, and I'm aware of it. Uh, I just like when I started my miniature descent. Um, I, I cut my teeth immediately on uh, historical Napoleonics, which is like a black. Pit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, the only like Games Workshop thing I do touches uh, Middle Earth. So. Okay. Gotcha.
0: So,
3: like Warhammer, obviously we kind of know, especially 40k is known for being that grim, dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whenever we like we sit down to play a game like that or Vampire, it's always about like expectations. So at our conventions, we always we train our STs to use things like safety tools, like our consent sheet and everything, because um, there's a really good calibration tools. Like I, mm-hmm. as much as our safety tools are also like calibration tools to make the game go harder. Yep. Um, and i think when you talk about that everyone gets on the same page about that you're able to kind of go into those more like hostile like interactions in game because yeah. you feel taken care of out of game and you feel like no one's mad at the actual table you're just mad in character mm-hmm. and i've i've seen vampire games where it's gets it's gotten personal and oh god yes and, and that and that,
0: you know, that fucking sucks. Yeah, it um, does. You have to have a debrief almost at the end. I've oh, done no. so many of those, like where you talk about the game itself, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of talk things through, you know.
3: And and I've done that with like Warhammer too as well. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. And I was like, okay, let's we can tie it up to other games. Like, this isn't something that's just not vampire. I'm yeah. sure this can happen in, in any of your kind of Grimdark games, and I'm sure it'll happen in Eldritch Automata as well, where you're going to need to have these conversations. Um, and I've had characters and i like, hey, like your character is like causing such a big like distress throughout the game that I think it's affecting like out of yeah. game. Like, we got to talk about this because, you know, we're, all, you know, at a convention game, you kind of can let that stuff slide because it's like, okay, after the session, no one's going to see each other. It's a one shot. Um, but for ongoing games, like you you really need to make sure that everyone's on the same page and people feel yeah. like they're debriefed afterwards because that unsureness people are just gonna they're just gonna Mm. get pissed off
0: and look here's the here just to add on to that you know the kind of complexity because i think that vampire almost more than any other game i think that vampire is different you know because the thing is is that look i won't say every role-playing game but a lot of gaming groups has that person that just makes the annoying character that does stupid things that sometimes can do bad things and almost like unsettles the group vampire can have that too. But I think what makes it even more different is you like you're playing a monster and you're going to do really bad things. And you're almost the game wants you to do those things on some level. And mm-hmm. then if you're not talking about it at the end, you know, you can have hurt feelings and sometimes the line between like reality and the game can really blur. And I think that's what makes running a really good vampire game really challenging.
2: It is. Does, does that sure. make sense guys? Yeah. Here I'll,
0: I'll give you an example, and I almost I, I i will share this right because it. And I think um, I think that uh, Ian, it was you that was sort of talking about this, like this idea of you have to you have to make like a really moral decision, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out where you stand. So the the scene that I've run in my own games that is still talked about today, like just in terms of how gut wrenching it was. Really quick, really, really quick. So the Sabbat, right? So, so Kelly, there are two organizations, right? Well, really, there's more than that, but the two big ones, right? Um, you've got the Camarilla, who essentially is sort of like this bureaucratic organization where they know that if human beings know about us, quote unquote, as know, know about vampires, ultimately, they're going to hunt us down and kill us all. And we should stay in the shadows to protect ourselves. Whereas the Sabbat, the other organization... Um, they are much more open about what they are to some extent. We are gods amongst men. We are special. We've been imbued with these powers, and it would be disingenuous for us not to use them, right? So the big thing about the Sabbat is getting people, getting vampires to lower their humanity, meaning I want you to be the most vicious thing that you can be. So a lot of times what the Sabbat leadership will do in games is like they make the players, they make the people in the domain do things to lose their humanity. So I ran a scene, which I actually still think about this because it's pretty awful. But like, you know, the players ended up going to this convention center and it was a spot meeting. And it was like very quickly, they kind of saw these weird like buses outside the building. And the buses were from a school in like a local area. And what it turned out was these awful sabat monsters created this wrestling ring that was surrounded with a cage. And they had put these kids into the cage. And they basically said, for those of you that are actually Sabbat, go in there and, and, and do what needs to be done. And to make matters even worse, to really make the players think about this, they had special needs. And even as I say that right now, it makes me uncomfortable. And it made the players uncomfortable in different ways. And they had to really think about their characters, not themselves per se, but their characters. And what, like Brian, who I mentioned earlier, like really one of the better you know, players, like he was mortified and he was like, nope. You know, he looked at his character sheet, he saw where his humanity was and actually lost his character because he wouldn't partake in it. So, Kelly, that's... And I'm not speaking for the other guys in here because I don't know what level you take your games to. <laughs> like, I don't touch sexual abuse. I don't do anything like that. I really stay away from race and things along those lines. But some a scene like this, you know, it it's literally still talked about. So, Kelly, does that, does that kind of make sense in terms of the things that you kind of do?
1: Yeah, and that's something I, I kind of want to add or ask. Um, Nick, you had mentioned uh, consent forms. Mm-hmm. Like, so kind of taking the idea of like, Hey, we're going to (laughs) throw these kids in a cage and you have to do what you have to do. Um, Is this something that like you as a storyteller have to like kind of front load? Like these are the things we're going to talk about or is it like, how, how is that decision making being made? Is it on the fly when you're doing this as part of Gana games or is, is this something that like, you know, you kind of pre-plan in advance Mm -hmm. and try to gauge or, so that's a that's a great question. Um, so that always begins in like, oh, and like always
3: in like our, our initial pre planning meetings, like we always use consent sheets, we, we've designed one that's been pretty universally used by a lot of groups. Um, but specifically, I'm going to speak in a convention play. That's what we're talking about here, what we do. Um, in a convention play, we tell our players like, hey, like you are running a game for random people for so try to do something that appeals to the masses. Try to do something that's not going to be um have so much of a content warning buy in. Um and some and you know and obviously with stuff like vampires, like there's stuff you're not going to be able to avoid. Like you know we had someone being like, well I'm kind of against blood. And it's like, well, we're in a vampire game. You're kind of, you know, blood is kind of going to be something that's like constant there. Um, but for the most part, it's like the the really intense stuff, like whether it's like any of like isms, we generally tell STs to stay away from that if possible. Um, if there is something like you know torture or a lot of gore or maybe it's something like disasters, because you you don't know what
2: what one person is going to really just like kind of. I mean, yeah. I will jump uh, so I there, I have a couple um scenarios I've written for Vamp- for vampire specifically that I run at conventions and one of them is that kind of that um scenario I was telling you about before with the the crossover game in Salem. And the players uh it's 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 very much like a um, investigation style game where they're trying to figure out what happened all the Tremere in the city have vanished. They're trying to figure out what happened. So they're investigating and the, the their investigation will lead them down into the catacombs under Salem where they stumble upon a Bali cult. Now, the Bali are not just infernalist vampires that want to become demons. They're also similar to the Sabbat. They've lost a lot of their humanity. Humanity is not important to them. They are trying to become demons. um, And they have a ritual they can do to turn other vampires into Bali, which is they throw you into a pit of mutilated bodies, And you have to find a heart that's been filled with blood of of the blood of one of the Bali and eat it. And that can be incredibly horrifying and gruesome to some people who don't like gore, don't like body horror, Um, you know, describing swimming through this pit full of blood, dismembered bodies, organs, trying to find one specific thing to survive because otherwise you're dead. And I've I've run that at cons, and I've run it full tilt, describing it like the deleted scenes from Event Horizon, fully immersing the players in how horrible this, like, occult ritual happening. And I've had players who I've still ran that same scenario for, and I have, after receiving their consent forms and their lines and veils, looked at it and been like, I need to tone it down. I need to tone, I either need to tone down the religious horror aspects of this. I need to turn tone down the body horror aspects of it. And I'll just be like it's a pit of bodies. And I'll describe the pit of bodies loosely um, and tell them what they have to do versus scribing the feeling of your body coated in viscera as you're trying to pull your way through these bodies some of whom are not fully dead too. Like and like <laughs> you can, you can it's just, it's a scale it yeah. becomes a scale at that yeah. point, point. Um, and the way we use the consent forms is to, is to calibrate that scale, and I can start the game. Uh, I, I have another scenario um, that I run for Call of Cthulhu where I have an old-style dress, dressmaker's dummy come to life because it's been um, animated, and the metal bands come off of the wooden frame, and it starts walking around like a spider. And then I've had players be like, I hate spiders, absolutely not, at the beginning of the game. I'm like, okay, and I describe it walking around like Doc Ock from Spider-Man instead. That's really cha- smart, by the way.
0: Really I, I smart.
2: Use, I can use the same same monster. I, I don't have to change anything else about the scenario. I just completely change how I describe it.
0: It's a calibration tool. Great. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Like, I'll throw one more out there, and then... um. So here, think about this, right? So you're a character, and you go down into a basement, and this basement is basically run by one of the Sabbat bishops of the city. And here's what you stumble across. And again, it's like these things you have to think about. So this really, really old vampire that doesn't have any friends and has been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years, he thought it would be in his best interest to take a couple of people that he met at a bar and using a power called vicissitude, which is this sort of flesh crafting ability where you can take flesh and bone and kind of mold it the way you want. He basically made a chair out of these two people and they're alive and he feeds them. And in his mind, he's just doing it because he wants somebody to talk to at night because he's usually alone. And you're trying to narrate that for players with a straight face. Like this is a completely normal thing that this character is doing. And now you have to engage when the other characters are like, what the hell is wrong with you? And then you respond back with, I don't understand what the issue is. And, they're, and at the same time, you're also narrating these two people who are conjoined into a chair who are basically begging the characters to just kill them because they don't want to be alive. So there's just a level of narration that I think, um, Ian, what you were saying, it is genius to... Get a gauge for what your players can kind of handle and then just tone it down as they fit. Because the one thing I want to be really clear about is, I and I hope that we haven't gone over, overboard here, but like it's a really, really, really amazing game. And you just have to know what your limit is and what your player's limit is. In the same way, I guess like a filmmaker who's making a horror movie would have to think about that kind of stuff as well. Does that make sense for our veteran STs in the room? 100%.
2: Yeah. And you can- Gotcha. You, you, you sit down with your players, you talk about what their expectations are, you talk about what your expectations are and the story you want to tell, and if that meshes, that lets you do whatever you want. You can run a game like Event Horizon, like I said, um, and if anyone hasn't seen that movie, please go watch it. It's really That's good. it's amazing. Or you can run a game more akin to what we do in the shadows.
0: Yeah, very much so. So guys... I'm just looking at the time so we definitely have a little bit more time left. Um I definitely have a question for you guys that's very specific about the about the way you run vampire games, mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. Kelly and for people that that um might just be dipping their toes into this world. There was one other thing cuz I think we've talked about it a lot. What's really fun about vampire in terms of character creation is the clan system. So we've talked about that, how there are 13 different clans, depending on what your setting is. What's really fun is each of the clans kind of have their own specific powers called disciplines. And there are stereotypes that you can kind of follow, but you can really kind of do what you want. And in fact, sometimes playing the outside of the stereotype is really fun. So just as some simple, simple examples, right? The Venture were kind of like the business people of the the Camarilla or Camarilla they kind of run the show. They're usually the princes of the cities and they usually run things. And they tend to be portrayed as bureaucrats that really are well- everything. So it's like, if you're playing in a game and you want to know what's going on in the city, you better be ready to pay the Nosferatu character or the Nosferatu NPC. Point being, there's just a lot of really cool wiggle room with the kinds of characters that you can build. And I don't know, guys, if you wanted to add anything to that, meeting our veteran vampire people. Um, those are clans that just kind of came to my mind you know, pretty quickly. I don't know if you guys have any favorites. So
2: One thing I'll say, um, stepping back from it a little bit, all each clan plays off of a trope from vampire media. So you have, if you want to play an Anne Rice style vampire, you play a toriador. If you want to play a classic Nosferatu style vampire, you play Nosferatu um, or Zimisi. They all fall. uh, Zimisi are like uh, like very heavily based on Dracula, um, Nosferatu, and et cetera, et cetera. There's there is something for everyone in Vampire. I have two favorite clans, Gangrel and Ravnos. Nice. I love the Ravnos. Me too. Actually, that's I know. I see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, My my wife uh, loves Malkavians. She is she is a diehard fan of the Malkavian clan. Um, They all offer something different for everyone. Gangrel um, are very animalistic. They're in touch with their animal side. They can transform into animals. They have that classic, like, um, misshape, turn into wolves, turn into a bat type thing going on. Ravnos are heavily rooted in Romani um, tradition and, as, uh, going, and um, going back to, like, it, it Indo-Indian um, culture as well. So they are very much traveling people. They are tricksters. They are um, illusionists. In a way, so they, they, there's a different trope for everyone to fall into if they want to. What I like about setting that up is, especially with people who've never played vampire, is what clan do I think you most would most align with, and then what do I think would be a challenge for you, and then those are usually the two that I would recommend someone play. Um, what, what do I think you'll fall into very easily? And then what do I think will be, uh, stepping out of your comfort zone? Um, there's a, there's a quiz that, um, the publisher has put out that's kind of like identify what clan you are. It's, it's, it's relatively okay. <laughs> I will say, yeah. um, but it, it's, it's a fun way to like approach that process. Um, vampire can be a very complicated game. If you're playing one of the clans that you're less comfortable with or less familiar with, um, and then, if you're playing something that you fall into very naturally, it can be very easy. Um, yeah. I play in a game. Um, this is this is getting really deep, but I play in a, a streamed game um, called ATL by Night, and the character I play started as a Gangrel. The Second Inquisition, which is the human, the official human organization of hunters that actively research, track down, and exterminate vampires, captured uh, captured, and did a. Um, science experiment on to turn him human again. And then he got re-embraced as a different clan. So part of his character journey has been coping with, I used to be a Gangrel and now I'm a Ravnos. And what does that mean for me as a person, as well as like the, my place in vampire society type thing where he was already an outcast and someone who didn't fit into vampire society. So it's, it's, it's escalated that and made that character journey a lot more like visible. Um, So, like, what clan you play can be just as important as the humanity aspect that we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, the other thing, I don't know about you guys, but the way that I run my games, they're very political. So here's Mm -hmm. another element, and this is actually going to lead me into the question that I have, and probably my final question, actually, for um, Ian and Nick when it comes to, like, you know, how you guys run vampire games and such. (laughs) It's a very political game. So, Kelly, let me give you an example here. Let's say your character wants to kind of step up in the food chain meaning you want power in the city. You want to work with the prince. You want to attain a position of power so that you make decisions. And you realize that there's somebody you need to get rid of in order to do that. And that person is a player in the game. A lot. It's a very immersive game where you're going to be thinking, like, what could I say in Elysium to get the prince to not like this person? Maybe what I might need to do is during downtime when we're not playing maybe I need to frame this person. Maybe I need to find out who one of their ghouls are and maybe embarrass them so much that the prince decides to make that person step down and put you into play. So it's very immersive and very political. And I guess my question for Ian and Nick, and this is going to be my last question about Vampire, even though we're probably going to need to do this again just because it's so much fun talking about our different characters and games. How do you guys, guys balance the private, personal way in which vampire is meaning you care about yourself versus getting everybody to be on the same page to follow your plot line and work as a team. How do you balance that? Because I have found that is the most tricky thing Ooh. about running a vampire game. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's my I last
2: question. Very
3: for, controversial answer to this question. I so cannot sure. ahead, wait I- for it. <laughs> So uh, this kind of ties into one of my biggest issues of vampire is that the Meta plot is so deeply ingrained that -hmm. it's very hard to navigate within it. Uh, In terms of how to keep, you know, the vampires on the same page. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. Like, you, you generally have to keep them all under the same, like, you know, sect or, or, or faction, like they either got to be all Camarilla. And, and the way I found it is, is one of two ways. You either hit them off with an event right away that links them to an overall arcing like reason they're staying together like may everyone has their personal stories yes but maybe everyone's been robbed in some way or hurt in some way and they're now they're taking revenge or there's one main antagonist that has basically you know dashed them and wronged them that now they they unite because it's like okay well better the devil you know than the one you don't um and then there's the you know second option which you force them together, and you put a and you have a force that is tying them all together, and saying, "Well, if you don't work together, you know, as per rules of the Camarilla, as are per rules of the Sabata Anarchs, like we're just going to, you know, make it hard. We're just going to kill you if you don't work
0: together. We're going to basically force you together under threat of your own life." <laughs> gotcha. Um, that's a great answer, by the way um ian what do you yeah, you have something controversial to say i already know what he's gonna say yeah. i'm pretty sure Go for it
2: i do not care about the meta plot about a vampire the masquerade it does not matter if it doesn't fit with the themes i want to tell in my story or if the players don't care about it secondly how do i word this i don't structure my games with an overarching purpose i put the players in the world and see what they do Got it so rather than so so it's a cheat in a sense I don't have to figure out how to force them together. I don't have to figure out how to keep them on the rails so to speak um, not to say that the keeping players all going towards a plot is railroading it's not necessarily but um, I don't I don't create a linear story. I give them an open world. I give them a sandbox to play in and I see where that takes them, which means I have to do a lot more work as the storyteller to build that world ahead of time and figure out where where all the puzzle pieces are and how it is moving with them. Um, I like to explain it as I don't, my NPCs are not static and in little boxes until the players interact with them they have their own plots and machinations that are moving side by side if there is a character in the city that the players don't interact with you know, and if there's an npc in the city that the players don't interact with for weeks that person still has things happening they are yep they are succeeding along their own personal story and plots phenomenally because no one is interrupting them
0: yep and I, yes yes you're speaking my language. That yeah. can either
2: completely derail the game at a later date or take the, the players by complete surprise when the Seneschal or the, the uh, Keeper of Elysium completely overthrows the prince and takes over the city yeah. weeks later because they just never bothered talking to that person and finding out what was going on with them.
0: Yeah, it's a game within a game within a game. I do it the same exact way. But I will admit, though, in a, in a moment, so Kelly, right? So just think about this. And Ian, I don't know if you do it this way or not, but me personally, I have a Google Doc that's hundreds of pages long. Mm -hmm. And before I run a game, I have a list of all the major NPCs and I literally write a paragraph. What are they doing? What have they been doing for the last month? What are they working Mm -hmm. towards? So you really have to know your city or know your region. That way, no matter what the players do, you're going to basically have some sense of what might be happening in that neighborhood or what might... what plot is happening within the plot. But here's where I struggle, right? I still have something going on. There's still, it's almost like at the beginning of the game, and I don't know about you guys, but like the the thing that happens in Elysium, it's always, Uh they always make, players make fun of me. Oh, the phone call's coming to the sheriff, right? (laughs) Um, You know, there's always something going on, and I think what I struggle with is, I put enough time into the open world, I put as much time into, well, what else is sort of happening? So, I always, because I don't want to railroad the players, but at the same time, you know, why write all of the plot if all the players are going to do is kind of dick around and go, you know, do things that they enjoy? And I guess what I'm trying to say is it is definitely a struggle for me as an ST of knowing how to balance that, if that makes sense.
2: It can be. Um, Because uh, while while I say, like, the world is evolving around the players and, like, if they don't interact with this character they'll they'll completely miss that story. Right. At the same time I'm trying to balance this this is not a game about me. This is a game about them. Yes. And I am just here to help tell their story and collaborate with them. So if the players never interact with Keeper of Elysium ever ever ever. That player that character whose storyline was they're secretly sabat and want to take over the city never happens yeah because the players aren't gonna care when it happens. they're not gonna like if they if they have inklings of it and they're just investigating the wrong parts of the city or the wrong people to to figure out who's trying to take over, then it still happens because they'll be surprised by the fact that it was the keeper of Elysium but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot if it, if yep. it, if I know it's something that they're not gonna care about when it happens or that they just haven't been invested in, I'm not gonna make that happen, yeah, um at the same token. The way I run my games tends to be a very open world. I don't have a set uh, event that's going to end them. Yep. Um, I just kind of create a story, create a create a city, set everything in motion, and then plop them into it with some sort of, like, you meet in a tavern a- event. Um, yeah. And be it um, the prince has recruited you all to investigate the Tremere going missing, or yep. the prince has investigated, uh, brought you in, or, you know... Um, You all happen to be at this location when this vampire frenzies and breaks Mm -hmm. the masquerade and reveals themselves to humans. And now you're dealing with the aftermath of that because you were all caught on camera type thing.
1: Um, Kelly, are you sold? (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. So I I, I have like the video game that was released years ago Mm -hmm. and it's been sitting in my Steam library, but like. Hearing everyone kind of talk yeah. about, it, I'm like, I'm i have to download I'll, this, to I'll play run a this game this weekend." For you. Yeah. yeah, I'll run a I game for you. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Can
0: I? Can I pitch you a game? Sure. And by the way, we are at that time. Meaning, I think, I think we're going to have to probably table the podcast here because we've been going. I could, I could probably keep going. We could literally <laughs> debrief every clan, but I think we're probably at the stage where. Is there anything that you guys want to talk about on your end? Something you want to pitch, something you want to talk about regarding the company? We probably have a few more minutes left. So if there are things that you guys want to talk about,, uh, you guys have been so kind like with all of our questions, you guys should have a little bit of time to sure. kind of pitch and and go.
2: Yeah, we got this Kickstarter coming up on
0: January second. Yeah.
2: Nick,
3: why don't you talk about it? Go for it. So this has been my passion project for the last uh, six years. Like I said, I started in 2017. Um, Automata is our take on the Year Zero engine. It is a uh, action horror TTRPG uh, with bits of psychological horror as well as mecha inspired, um, inspired by Evangelion, Pacific Rim, cosmic horror as well. You know the whole idea that we kind of came up with is that like, we love a lot of horror games and a lot of horror games let you like, they want you to run away from the horror or they want you to, you know, shy away from it or hide from it. But, and I'll just when it's right about, you know, taking the, the fight right to the horror's face and punching it uh, making, you know, bring Lovecraft to its knees and all it's, it's associated properties. Um, it is a, the, the best pitch I've heard that I've kind of refined has been, it's a game about fighting gigantic outreach abominations that want to eat you which are being uh, commanded by these uh angelic angel angelic alien entities that are trying to control you um, while piloting giant skyscraper size mechs that are slowly killing you
0: yeah who who could possibly not enjoy that as a, a role play fan I yeah mean, it's there's a lot there it's
3: great it's it's a you know a lot of combining that horror with that power fantasy because you know you're in a you know you're in a mecca you're in an automata it's going to feel powerful you're going to have all the crazy weapons and you're going to be able to blow shit up um but as you're using that power you're slowly draining yourself of your identity you're fueling the automata with this thing is called ego and when that ego finally runs dry uh you forget where you know, yourself ends and this giant robot begins and that's where the true kind of horror starts to seep in and these creatures are incredibly dangerous. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it is a it is a game about hope and the last, you know, is it the last dying gasp for humanity or is it that's rallying cry? and, you know, you have awesome. to play to find out.
0: And you said that the Kickstarter is launching January 2nd?
3: January 2nd. Uh, awesome. You can find it at com slash EA. Or just visit our website. We've or got to just pop visit up. our
0: website. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so that's really it sounds like that's the big thing that you guys have coming up next. Oh yep. yeah.
3: It's awesome. It's gonna be amazing. Um, you know, and and something that I hope I always tell people like, I hope that the, you know, I want this to be a game line. This is not meant to be one book. This is meant to be something that we continue on for years to come. Awesome. Um, anyone that backs it. Uh, We have the Ashcan edition ready to go. So as soon as the Kickstarter ends, they're going to get the mechanical Ashcan and be able to play immediately. Um, And we have it scheduled to release within the year of 2024. Well, you guys
0: will have to send me the info. And what I'll do is I'll put it into the show notes. And, you know, there's uh, hopefully on our end, we can kind of do whatever we can to get more ears on, uh, on really just everything we talked about today, but specifically the game, you know? I say oh, yeah. that the yeah. book
1: art looks amazing.
3: Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Our, our guy Geo does that, and uh, he's amazing. He does a lot of mech art. He's just a mech maker himself. So. Very
1: cool.
0: No, very cool. I got to say, guys, this was a lot of fun, Um, and it was a deep dive. I'm not going to lie to people out there. Oh, like, yeah. There was a lot of, you know, not not to call us all very sophisticated, but I mean, I think that, <laughs> you know, if you really like role-playing, I think that uh, you're gonna really love as a listener all the stuff that we talked about and man it'd be fun to do some gaming with you guys at some point
3: yeah, for, yeah. if you're all going to Path East come find us there if it's no, very
0: possible we'll have to yeah. see you know but um Kelly
3: there's yeah. a seat waiting for you I'm telling yeah, you no, know, absolutely. You, want to play, <laughs> you love snow.
0: yeah indeed well this was a blast um we'll definitely have to have you guys on again because I mean at some point or another I've always wanted to do kind of like a series of uh episodes about vampire you know just because i love it so much and it's fun sharing stories about how we run our games and you know some of the storylines that we've had really really fun and hopefully we didn't scare everybody too much but it was in the disclaimer so you know all right guys i've been podcasting for five straight hours i'm done (laughs) i love you guys but that's it i'm tapping out absolutely thank you so much you guys for coming in and for everybody listening out there Don't forget about our sponsor Um, because I guess I guess if you play too much Vampire the Masquerade, you might want to give better help a call. if You need uh, somebody to talk to after a really, really wild session of gothic horror. And I'm I'm only partially kidding. No, seriously. It's definitely a help, especially around the holidays, especially, you know, in the crazy ass world that we live in. Um, You just literally click a button, go into our show notes. The link is there. So. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Have an absolutely wonderful day. See ya. Thanks, Cal. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www dot nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is HMGS underscore nextgen underscore inc Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.